0: guys welcome back to the podcast i'm jeanette
1: and i am emily
0: and that's the podcast thanks guys (laughs) the end (laughs) oh man um it i feel i feel so out of touch right now honestly i know Um, we just ugh life had definitely just like gotten like in the way and stuff
1: so we hadn't been able to record because i mean i'm not sure if you guys know this but we don't make money off of the podcast. So it's kind of hard to
0: Yeah, we gotta do I don't know if that makes (laughs) sense.
1: Obviously we're not in it for the money. We'd still be doing this without money, but
0: yeah, but yeah, work schedules and school
1: schedules. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um but luckily we have found a day which is today, Thursdays Mm -hmm. that we will be recording. So hopefully we'll start pumping them out more. Um or at least once a week. So that's good. Um but yeah So, Emily, speaking of work, school, how are things going? Uh, Pretty
1: good, I'd say. I have my junior recital coming up this semester with one of my friends, Jessica. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, I still can't, you know, play my instrument very much, but (laughs) it's okay.
0: Oh, because you're... Oh, man. Yeah, that's okay. I'm sorry. No, it's all good. I, um... I haven't really been up to anything crazy about the same stuff. I mean, we started school up again, so, like, School, yeah. I have been, I am now in a Spanish class, so. Oh. Do you want to um, tell us something in Spanish? No, not really. <laughs> I am not good at it. It's, like, the class that you have to take or you take after, like, high school. Spanish classes, but even in high school I didn't learn anything. So, we'll see. Um, we'll see what I happens. guess we'll But, besides that, our mutual friend got engaged. Yes!
1: Yay, Caitlin! So, and we want to have her on pretty soon, actually, to tell us about her experience on the Queen
0: Mary. Oh, yes. We really need that because we do. that would be really exciting. Mm-hmm. And, um... But yeah, Caitlin is one of our closest friends, so I just want to give her a quick shout-out real quick. We love her, and we're so excited, and she's also, like, a full-on nurse now, like, my goodness, she has been, she's being so successful, and I'm very proud of you, so. She is. We're very (laughs) proud. So, we did kind
1: of, like, hint at what we're talking about in our last episode, which was, you know, a really long time ago. (laughs) But um, today we are going to be talking about Jack the Ripper.
0: I'm actually really excited to hear more about this. So
1: this case has always been like super interesting to me. And especially after watching um, Criminal Minds, because they talk actually quite a bit about Jack the Ripper in it. And they have like a lot of like copycat cases and stuff like that that they come across. So this case has always just been pretty interesting to me so what all do you know about jack the ripper honestly just
0: his name (laughs) okay that's fair (laughs) so um he sounds familiar but i can't pinpoint exactly like what kind of killer he was you know
1: okay so first things first we don't know who jack the ripper is you know fully okay he doesn't have an identity yet um And so I got a lot of my information actually from, what is the website? Uh, It's like jacktheripper.org with dashes in between the words. So that's going to be where a lot of my source information came from today. (laughs) So all of this happened in the 19th century. And there are only five canonical... Um Jack the Ripper cases and there are 11 total that could be Jack the Ripper but there's only five total that are for sure hmm. and these five include um, Mary Ann Nichols, Annie Chapman Elizabeth Stride, Catherine Endows and Mary Jane Kelly so um Something that was also similar is these women were. I believe it phrases it as women of the night.
0: Oh, it's so like prostitutes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um,
1: I guess let's get to a uh, let's get to talking about them. Yeah, I'm intrigued. Yeah, it's very interesting. So, first, we are going to talk a little bit about. Oh, no, I lost her. Where did she go? <laughs> okay, so um, Mary Ann Nichols, she was murdered. She was the, well, the first one that was murdered. And this was on August 31st, 1888 at about 3.40 a.m. So she was discovered by someone named Charles Cross. And he was working on his way to work. And by the way, this part, like, this upset me a lot, Okay. I mean, I understand this part, but it was still just frustrating to hear. about. So he was walking to work and obviously this was super early for him going to work. So it was 340 in the morning and he saw he got closer and then he saw a woman who he deciphered was either drunk or dead. And so he walked over and he was unsure what to do. So then he called over to a man named Robert Paul and he said, come look over here. There's a woman on the ground. So she was laying on her back with her legs straight out and her skirts were raised to almost above her waist. So he reached out and um, touched her face, which was still warm, but her hands were cold and limp. And he said, I believe she's dead. Um, And Paul placed his hand on her chest and said, I think she's breathing, but very little if she is. So they sat the woman up, or they—they was suggested that they sit her up, but he refused to move her. And so, this is the part that upset me. They were like, oh, well, I'm late for work, so... I'm just gonna leave. (laughs) So, they pulled her skirts down, back... Like, they pulled them down again to give her some decency as it phrase phrases it and then they went to work but they did tell a police officer first so okay i guess that's better that they told a police officer but yeah no they just like fully left (laughs) so um yeah so she was actually last seen alive one hour before the discovery of her body by a uh, Mrs. Emily Holland. Oh, who had, Emily. She, yes. Who she had previously shared a bed with at a common lodging house, which was on Thrall street. Um, and it was in the direction of Whitechapel road. So um, trigger warning, this next part is going to be talking about her body. Hmm. So her throat was cut by two deep cuts and one was completely severed all of the tissue down to the vertebrae. Oh my gosh. Uh, Her vagina was stabbed twice. What? And the lower part of her abdomen was partly ripped open by a deep jagged wound causing her bowels to protrude.
0: Oh my gosh, that is so intense. Mm -hmm. There were also
1: other incisions inflicted to her abdomen on both sides as well.
0: Oh, my God. Oh, that is so sad. I know.
1: It, it really is. So, now we're going to talk about, this is not much, this is like nine days later. This is another one of the canonical ones. I think, yeah, we're only going to talk about the canonical ones, at least for right now. So, about a week later, the body of Annie Chapman was found poor Annie Chapman so she was 47 years old and she had been also living at a lodging house so she um <laughs> I lost my spot again <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> Um, was discovered at approximately 6 a.m. near the steps of the doorway in the backyard of 29 Hanbury Street. So, um, her abdomen had been cut entirely open um, with a section of the flesh from her stomach being placed upon her left shoulder and another section of skin and flesh, and her small intestines had been removed and placed above her right shoulder
0: oh my gosh so
1: her what? autopsy also revealed that her uterus and sections of her bladder and vagina had been removed so oh my at about this point um people are thinking okay so this has to be like a doctor doing this because right. of they just did it entirely surgically so there's no way that It would just be some random person, Mm -hmm. you know, doing that. So the person that found her body, by the way, was John Davis, who lived on 29 Hanbury Street. So there was a handkerchief was tied around her throat. And um, she had been wearing this whenever the killer had cut her throat as it had not been yeah as has not has has often been asserted been tied by her killer to stop her head from rolling away that's not that's not why that was placed there. that was just an assumption that was used through a few years, so her face and hands were also covered with blood as well oh my
0: God.
1: <laughs> yeah these are these are some rough cases yeah, this they're is... very gruesome <laughs> yeah, they really are, and I mean. It's. I don't want to say five seems like a very small number because obviously even one is too many, you know, all of that. But whenever you think of Jack the Ripper, you just think of how much you know that name and how you would assume it would be more than five canonical murders.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, I mean, obviously the murders are gruesome and terrifying and in no way am I trying to like push away from that fact at all. Um, But it's kind of just expecting to be more, I guess. Right. So, um, next we are going to be talking about Elizabeth Stride. I really like the name Elizabeth, so. Yeah, that's very pretty. I don't know why I said so like that. (laughs) Y'all,
0: so therefore, it's my favorite one.
1: Yes. Oh. So her body was discovered also early morning. Um, Her body was discovered at 1 a.m. in Duckfield's Yard, which is off of Burner Street in Whitechapel. And the cause of death was a, a single clear-cut incision measuring six inches across her neck, which severed her carotid artery and her trachea before terminating right underneath her jaw. So there was an absence of further mutilations with her body, unfortunately. So that did, it did lead to some uncertainty on whether it was actually Jack the Ripper or not. Um, because it seems like it was just the throat, and that was just kind of it. So she was found um by Louise or Louis uh Diemschutz, who was a steward of the International Working Men's Educational Club. So he went to invest he saw a dark form lying on the ground, and so he went to investigate it and saw that it was a woman. And he thought it might be his wife who he went into the club beside or yes. So he went to go find his wife. (laughs) (laughs) I totally read that wrong. Um, (laughs) My own notes and I'm just not able to read. Um, And so he went inside and he told several club members, "Um, there's a woman lying in the yard, but I can't say whether she is drunk or dead. And so then that's whenever they noticed that he, she was dead.
0: Oh my so, god. So this it was horrible. it's so horrible. Um
1: th- this one was on September 30th, 1888. So this one was only a few days after as well. So well, I mean, it was more than a week at least. There was at least a little bit more. So for all of these people, they were they gave descriptions for someone who was walking with them. For many of these cases, there were witnesses that saw them walking with a man and they often said that, um, well, not often said because everything that they said was different. So some said that he was dressed badly, some said he was dressed well, and there was even talk of like his complexion, like they had no idea what he looked like apparently. So now we're going to talk about Catherine Edowes. So she was found three quarters of an hour after the discovery of Elizabeth Stride. Her throat had been severed and her abdomen ripped open by a long, deep, jagged wound before her intestines had been placed over her right shoulder. That happens a lot with these cases, is they just kind of place it over the shoulder. It's disgusting. I I, I can't handle that one. Yeah,
0: that one's... Oh, I can't. Yeah, I mean, you know how I feel about like anything with human like torture. I can't. Oh yeah, no, it's terrifying. <laughs> Ugh. Um. So, her
1: abdomen was ripped open by a long and deep jagged wound, and her intestines had been placed over her right shoulder. I just said that part. We just talked about this. Um, the you left kidney. It. <laughs> uh, the left kidney and a major part of her uterus had been removed and her face had been completely disfigured. Her nose was severed, her cheeks slashed, and um, the cuts measuring a quarter of an inch, and half an inch was vertically through each of her eyelids.
0: Ugh. hmm No. Oh. Um,
1: a triangular incision had also been carved upon each of her cheeks, and a section of the oracle and the lobe of her right ear was later recovered from her clothing. So a police surgeon who conducted the postmortem said that it would take at least five minutes to do all of this. So it was... Oh, Merlin started slapping my pen. Um, <laughs> so yeah, he was like taking his time with this but the thing is if you remember it wasn't even an hour before where the body of Elizabeth Stride was found and this was in a very similar spot
0: yeah hmm. so
1: those two you know they would have to be the same person so a section of her apron was found at the entrance to a tenement of Gulston Street which was in Whitechapel at 2 a.m. And the chalk inscription upon the wall directly above this piece read, wed, um, "The Jewess are the man that will be blamed for nothing." I um so it was saying that someone that is Jewish was responsible for these murders. Basically, is what that meant.
0: Oh man. Mm-hmm. So now. We
1: are going to talk about Mary Jane Kelly. Sorry we're going through these so quickly. There's just a lot to talk about with this case.
0: Yeah, I know that's fine. So this is the last I'd canonical not hear all the, the details of gruesome.
1: You're welcome.
0: <laughs> Thank you for that.
1: You are so welcome. So this is the last of the canonical killings. So there were also other killings that happened in Whitechapel, which is why they're not canonical, because all of these happened in a very, like, small era of time. So Mary Jane Kelly was discovered lying on a bed in a single room where she had lived, and her face had been severely mutilated, and her throat was severed down to the spine and the abdomen was almost emptied completely of its organs. Her, her uterus, kidney, and one breast had been placed beneath her head and other viscera from her body was placed by her foot about the bed and the sections of her abdomen and thighs upon the bedside table. And the heart was missing from the crime scene. There is a photograph of this one. You, you don't want to see that. <laughs>
0: Yeah. No, thank you. No.
1: Um, it's on the Wikipedia page, by the way. So if you go to like, look at that, just, just be careful.
0: Okay. But to those of Thanks you out there that money.
1: might want to see that, <laughs> we'll be there. So the mutilations um, became increasingly more severe as the murders proceeded, as you know, you've heard, except for Elizabeth Stride. So here's kind of, like, an order of each thing that happened. So Nichols was not missing any organs. Chapman's uterus and sections of her bladder and vagina were taken. Oh. And Dawes had her uterus and left kidney removed and her face mutilated. Oh and Kelly's God. body had been extensively eviscerated and her face was gashed in all directions, is how they worded it. Oh. Um, but oh the bar, god. the heart was the only body part missing from the crime scene.
0: Oh my god, that is horrible.
1: Yeah, that was like a real heavy thing to talk about there. So take a
0: <laughs> t- <sighs> take a little
1: bit of a breather, please.
0: <laughs> oh, that's horrible.
1: Yeah, Mary Jane Kelly is usually considered to be the last victim for the. Uh, Jack the Ripper And because It's thought that um, my goodness, I'm not speaking right today. Um, it's thought <laughs> that the crimes ended because of um, the death of Jack the Ripper, imprisonment or institutionalism or immigration. So there were also four murders that occurred after the canonical five, and these were Rose Millet. Alice McKenzie, you're going to hate this one, the Pynchon Street Torso, and Francis Coles. (coughs) Excuse me. So there was a strangled body found of 26-year-old Rose Mylette, was found in Clark's Yard High Street. Um, This was on December 20th, 1888. So there was no signs of a struggle and the police believed that she had either accidentally hanged herself with a collar and drunk in drunken stupor or committed suicide. However, <laughs> there were faint markings left by a cord on one side of her neck, neck to suggest that she had been strangled. So the jury was ret- returned a verdict of murder. Alice McKenzie was murdered shortly after midnight on July seventeenth, eighteen 1889, so there's already a huge difference in time there, and she had suffered two stab wounds to her neck, and her left ca- cartoid artery had been severed. There were several minor bruises and cuts found on her body, and they bore a seven-inch-long superficial wound extending beneath her left breast and her navel. On the examining pathologist, Thomas Bond believed this to be a, um, a ripper murder. Though his colleague, George Baxter Phillips, examined the body from the three previous victims had disagreed for this. Although I fully agree that I don't think this was him. Mostly because it wasn't, this is terrible, but it wasn't as mutilated as the rest of the bodies. It seems like it was just one and done, if that makes sense. I hate using that phrase. I did not like yeah. to say that right now. Oh, man. Um, but with the first, the canonical five victims, other than Elizabeth Stride, they'd all been, it seems like they'd all been tortured, or maybe all of this had happened post-mortem. It's not sure. Um, so this is absolutely terrifying to me, this next part. So the Pynchon Street torso was a decomposing headless and legless torso of an unidentified woman between the ages of 30 and 40, which was discovered beneath a railway arch in Pynchon Street, Whitechapel. Um, And this was on September 10th, 1889. So it wasn't too far from the last one. There was bruising about the victim's back, hip, and arm, and it indicated that um, it had been extensively beaten shortly before her death. The victim's abdomen was extensively mutilated, although her genitals had not been wounded, as it had been with a lot of the other ones. And she appeared to have been killed approximately one day prior to the discovery of her torso. So we still don't know who that person is. It
0: oh she it. um, yeah, yeah. Because if it wasn't Jack the Ripper, then right, right, it was Oh, that's so creepy!
1: It's so creepy. So now we're gonna skip forward in time two years or almost two years, like one and a half years. So a man named Ernest Thompson found a 25-year-old prostitute named Frances Coles beneath a railway arch in Swallow Gardens Chapel. Her throat had been deeply cut, but her body was not mutilated, um, leading some to believe that um, he had actually kind of done it. So she was still alive, although she did die before medical help could arrive. And a 53-year-old Stoker who had been drinking earlier with her. And the two have known to argued approximately three hours before her death. Um, he was arrested by the police and charged with murder. And he was briefly thought to be the Ripper, but was later discharged from court for lack of evidence on March 3rd, 19, er, 1891. So his name was James Thomas Sadler. Hmm. Yeah. So that is um, that was a lot to talk about. I apologize.
0: No, no I like this information, though.
1: So almost all of these were, um, you know, in Whitechapel, which is also why these are known as the Whitechapel murders. In case you ever need to look it up for whatever reason, that is what they are called as well. So there was a lot of different suspects you know, like, for this, because this was a lot to be happening. And so, you know, still we don't know who it was, but there are a lot of different theories on who could have done it. All right. (laughs) So the first one... (laughs) I don't know why I breathed like...
0: (laughs) was a lot of information to give out.
1: It was a lot of information. So, the first one who they suspected was Montague John Druitt, who was a uh, barrister. I am not too sure what that means, but he was a barrister. And he was suspected until his dismissal shortly before his suicide by drowning in 1888. So, if he were the one to have done it, he wouldn't have been able to do the last few that we had spoken of. Because right. he wasn't alive <laughs> anymore. So, yeah,
0: I mean, I feel like that's an obvious. Um... <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. However, um, they dismissed him as a serious suspect on the basis that the only evidence against him was the coincidental timing of his suicide shortly after the last canonical murder. So next we have, I am going to not do well on this name. It's Sewerin so Klasowski. I know I didn't say that right. I'm sorry. So he had immigrated to the UK between 1887 and 1888. So it was shortly before the Whitechapel Murders. murder. So yes. between... 19, 1893 and 1894 he assumed the name of Chapman as well um, so he successfully poisoned three of his wives and became known as the Borough Poisoner and he was hanged for his crimes in 1903 at the time of the Ripper murders he lived in Whitechapel London and had been working as a barber under the name of Ludwig Schlotsky. so he is one of the suspects as well I feel like that is absolutely a fair suspect to have. He killed his wives. Oh, yeah. Well, then that's a very big suspect. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Um. So some disagree that he is a likely culprit as he did murder three of his wives and it is uncommon for a serial killer to make such a drastic change. So he did just poison his wives and then everything else that had happened to the five women. So that's one of the reasons why they don't think it might be him was because of that. All right. So now we have Aaron Kosminski. Why do I always choose ones with difficult names? I
0: know. I feel like <laughs> they always have some <laughs> rough names. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, yeah. So, Aaron (laughs) um, was named a suspect by Sir Melville McNaughton in his 1894 memorandum and by former Chief Inspector Donald Swanson in handwritten comments in the margin of his copies of Assistant Commissioner Sir Robert Anderson's memoirs. So, Sir Robert Anderson had written that it was a Polish Jewish person who had been identified as the Ripper, but there was no prosecution to follow because the witness was also Jewish and refused to testify against a fellow Jewish person. Um, So some authors are skeptical of this while others do use them in theories. So he stated that no one has ever identified the Ripper, which directly contradicts Anderson's recollection and 1987 author Martin Fido searched asylum records for any inmates called Kusminski and only found one Aaron Kusminski and he lived in Whitechapel. However, he was in a largely harmless... He was largely, largely harmless in the asylum. His insanity took the form of an auditory hallucinations, a paranoid fear of being fed by other people, a refusal to wash or bathe, and self-abuse. Oof. Um... So it, it's thought that he could have been them too, but a lot of people don't believe that one at all. We only have a few more to get through, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> so next we have Michael Ostrong. Ostrog. Ostrog. Um, so, he was a Russian born professional con man and thief, and he had a lot of different aliases and assumed t- titles. And among his many claims is that he was once a surgeon in the Russian Navy. So, he was mentioned as a suspect by McNaughton. I have no idea how to pronounce his name, I feel so badly. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he was mentioned as a suspect the year after the canonical five victims were killed. Researchers have failed to find evidence that he committed the crimes other than fraud and theft. So yeah, it's very likely that it wasn't him. So there also was um, records showing that he was in jail during in France during the murders. So I've got to say probably not him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, that doesn't really add up. So no, it really doesn't.
1: So John Pizer was a Polish Jewish person who worked as a bootmaker in Whitechapel. And in the early days of the Whitechapel murders, many locals suspected that him. His nickname was the Leather Apron was the killer. That was just his nickname because you know he was a shoemaker.
0: The Leather Prior Apron. <laughs>
1: He had a prior conviction for a stabbing offense, and police sergeant William Thick apparently believed that he had committed a string of minor assaults on prostitutes. So after the murders of Mary Ann Nichols and Annie Chapman in August and September 1888, he arrested Pizer on September 10th, even though the investigating inspector reported that there was no evidence against him whatsoever. He was cleared of suspicion whenever it turned out that he did have alibis for the first two murders and that he was with relatives at the time of one of the canonical murders. And he was talking with a police officer while watching a spectacular fire at the London docks at the time of another. Yeah, there are so many different like theories. Yeah. (laughs) This case are so many different suspects. I know a lot of them have been like said to be innocent as of now. I just still think it's interesting how they had so no, many it is. Yeah, that they just thought, did it. So next we have James Thomas Sadler. So another one of the last names Sadler, who was a <laughs> friend of Francis Cole's, who was the last victim. So she was murdered on February 13th, 19, 1891. She was the not-canonical one, if you remember. Right. So, um... He was arrested, but there was little evidence existed against him just because, you know, he was friends with them. That was basically the only reason that he was arrested. So last but not least, we have Francis Tumblety, who had earned a small fortune posing as an Indian herb doctor throughout the United States and Canada who is commonly perceived as a misogynist. So he was connected to the death of one of his patients, but he did escape prosecution. In 1865, he was arrested for the alleged complicity of the assassination in Abraham Lincoln, but no connection was found and he was released from being charged. So if you haven't thought about Abraham Lincoln today, you have now.
0: We have
1: We have now. <laughs> So he was in England in 1888, and he was arrested actually on November 7th for engaging in homosexual acts, which was illegal at the time. And it was reported by some of his friends that he showed off a collection of wombs from every class of woman at around this time. So, awaiting his trial, he fled to France and then to the United States, and he was already notorious for his self-promotion and previous criminal charges. His arrest was reported as connected to the Ripper murders. So American reports that Scotland Yard tried to extradite him, but were not confirmed by the British press or London police. And the New York City said, there is no proof of his complicity in the Whitechapel murders and the crime for which he is under bond in London is not extraditable. So he was mentioned as a suspect. And that was kind of the last part of that.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. That's a lot to take in.
1: That is a lot. And if you want to go read about this, there are a ton more victims that they think could have been. Um, Yeah, so if you want to go read more about that, definitely feel free to. There's just so much information about this. And I would definitely recommend reading about these cases if you are interested. Um, Yeah, there are a
0: lot. (laughs) lot. I liked being able to try to um, see for myself, like, out of the facts you were talking about, um, like, see for myself if I think it was him or not Mm -hmm. on the ones that were, like, probably not him, you know? Right. Oh right. no. I like that. And I wanna see if others think like differently than just what I
1: have to say the person who is the most suspicious to me personally would have to be um the Klosowski person, the one who killed his wives. Even though there's not usually like a difference in how they kill, it still could be different. Because it's possible that he was, like, taking out his angers on them, whereas with his his wives, he was just trying to kill them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's just what I kind of think. So he's, like, the the one that stands out to me the most, as well as Montague John Druitt, who was the one who had committed suicide right after another one. Um, There also is another one that stood out to me a lot. His name is Willie Clarkson who was a wig maker and the thing that had stood out to him the most is his hair cutting shears and barber surgeon tools um, were the kind that wigs wig makers used at the time they closely matched the shape and style of the weapons that were used in the murders so he also um, was known to have stalked his ex-fiance and was a blackmailer and an arsonist So he doesn't have a lot going for him. No. And he lived about two miles from each of the canonical five scenes. Wow. Wow. (laughs) He was actually first named a suspect in 2019. So, yeah, uh, this case is, you know, there's probably not a way that we're going to be able to figure out who it was at this time. But, yeah. (laughs) Um, Wow. Yes. Um, So, as you can see, they're still clearly making... Trying to figure out
0: who it was. Yeah.
1: But that is the um, Jack the Ripper story.
0: Wow. Sorry I was all all over the place this episode. (laughs) No, you still got all the points across. And now I can actually say I know about Jack the Ripper. Yes, you can.
1: And you can be thoroughly disgusted by him just yeah, as absolutely everyone else. disgusting. But I'm absolutely. glad we
0: were able to go over him.
1: Me too. Yeah. We it's that's kind of a big one. I felt like we needed to. Yeah. So with this new kind of like season that we're doing, I'm definitely wanting to do more cold cases or like unsolved mysteries kind of thing.
0: Yeah, no, that'll be really interesting.
1: Um, So I was actually wanting to talk about either Jean-Benet Ramsey next or Madeline McCann. Um, Is the
0: first one Gordon Ramsey's brother?
1: No, Jean-Benet. Have you not heard the Jean-Benet Ramsey case?
0: No. Oh
1: my goodness. Okay. um,
0: Girl, you're the one that's into the true crime stories. No, but this one's
1: such a big one. Like, this is a big one.
0: (laughs) Well, then we must do that one next.
1: All right. That I will actually great. go ahead and take, I'm going to write it in my planner for next week that we're talking about champagne.
0: <laughs> I love it. I'm going to write it in my planner.
1: <laughs> I have it out. We're writing it in. Okay. What is next week? <laughs> all right. Cool. We are all set. All right. Well, I guess stay tuned for at least my yes, next episode guys. in which we're going to talk about
0: yeah, we Bonham's are case. going to try to start recording um, once a week, like we mentioned earlier, hopefully mm-hmm. on Thursdays. So, yeah, we'll definitely have to get into um, that one. You sound very passionate about it, and I'm excited. I have um, so
1: many opinions on this case. Like, I'm going to have to tell you something, to stop recording it. Because I'm not going to be able to say it on the air because someone got sued for saying it. So, what? Uh huh. So, we're going to have to, I'm going to have to tell you like what we shouldn't say, like while recording it. But yeah.
0: That's crazy. Yeah. Although, I'm intrigued at what's happening. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's exciting. Well, y'all <laughs> better be excited too then. Um, that way you can stay updated. Uh, you can follow our Instagram at Horror Slumber Party Podcasts and our Twitter, Party underscore horror. And we also have our email, of course, horror slumber party at gmail.com. And um we would love to hear your opinions so please email us we'll actually look at it I promise we want to know your opinions and your own stories because I think it would be cool to also share um a viewer's experience of hopefully not true crime but (laughs) I really um, hope not yeah same but with ghosties and stuff so we can also do that (laughs) um but yeah we love you guys and we can't wait to get back on track did you want to add anything else Emily um Hopefully we might have like an extra episode this week.
1: It's like an apology for uh, (laughs) being gone so long. So stay tuned for that. I will be posting about it on social media.
0: Awesome. We will let you know. Good night and scary dreams. Bye.